It's time. John Gruden's our guest, head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. JT the Brick, great talking to you. Hope you're well, man. It's time. Well, you know how we want to play, JT. You know me probably better than anybody out there. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We're going to play old school football. JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Can't wait to play in that stadium and get this party started. You got no idea. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Oh, hour number two brought to you by Remy Martin, team up for excellence build your bar with sparrow and wolf and remy guantro the program remy martin wants to help you set up your cocktail game at home whether it be for friends on a quiet night or with a loved one so they've teamed up with sparrow and wolf to help you master your cocktail making like a pro when you buy your build the bar kit through sparrow and wolf not only will you get a new craft cocktail kit that features some of our favorite house-made mixtures. This is fantastic. Full bottles featuring brands from Remy Quantro. Also included is step-by-step videos hosted by one of the chefs from Sparrow and Wolf. This is a big deal. Valentine's Day. On top of that, after that, we're doing a lot. And February is a big cocktail month here in Vegas. The cocktail Sex in the Tropics. A take on the classic Cosmopolitan in March. It'll be winter in Barbados. And we're going to get a couple of mixologists in courtesy of Remy to tell you how to make those drinks. So I'm excited about that. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. So big night yesterday. I do my Sunday night show, my Mad Dog show, Sunday to Thursday night, 7 to 10 p.m. So last night I was on the air. Golden Knights. Golden Knights win one nothing over the Avalanche. That's a big deal. And then we saw the injury to Anthony Davis with his Achilles, waiting for that update, and then the Daytona 500, which was incredible. But I'm heading up to Tahoe on Thursday for the weekend to see the Winter Classic, a bucket list for me. Golden Knights will be playing the Avalanche, the Bees and the Flyers, and the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, Dan Duva, kind enough to join us. Dan, I know we have hockey before Tahoe, but I'm excited about this Winter Classic. I'm sure you are too. How are you? This is pretty cool. JT, good to good to be with you. It's amazing that it's only days away now. And normally the, the outdoor events that the NHL puts on are a year in the making. This is like less than two months in the making, but it's, it's, it's coming. It's just a few days away. I've got a flight on Thursday. <laughs> it's incredible. I, I've been to Tahoe a bunch, summer especially. And I, was, I had an exclusive on the radio at that golf tournament, the American Century, so I know yeah. that footprint really well. And to see some of the renderings of the rink with the lake and then the snow-capped mountains, they, they've pulled off the Winter Classic in a lot of cool spots and a lot of football stadiums. But this one, to me, is really special because of the ambiance. Too bad it's no fans, but it's going to look spectacular on TV. Right, and it made for a broadcast event, and – it will be unique. I can't imagine that there will ever be a reason to stage an outdoor event without fans ever again, God willing. So what we see on Saturday for the Knights and the Avalanche and then Sunday with the other game and the Bruins and the Flyers, like, like it, it does often uh, a throwback, not just, hey, the, the outdoor games, you grow up, you play on ponds and outdoor rinks. Well, guess what? When, when, you, when you're a kid and you're growing up playing in – the, the pond down the street, there's not 60,000 people watching you, right? This is going to be as close as you can get to that experience uh, without actually going to your, your local pond, a local 
outdoor rink, as they call it, the ODR up, up north. So I, I think that that makes it a little bit more special, a little bit more intimate. And uh, I can't wait to, to see the, the setup that they're building on the fairway of the golf course. It's incredible what they're doing. It's really a big, bold initiative. I can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see you up there. Before we get to the Golden Knights, big picture with COVID and the NHL and what you're hearing on the inside, and as the voice of one of the premier teams in all of hockey, what it's been like. Golden Knights missed a couple of games with their coaching staff that was involved in COVID protocol, games that have been postponed and rescheduled. What's it been like being a broadcaster in this league with COVID? I'll say the first thing is it continues to be strange. There are glimpses, moments of normalcy, but when we're not traveling for some of the road games and even the home games at T-Mobile Arena, there are no fans. They have the artificial crowd noise piped in and no disrespect to the folks who are trying to do a great job with that. It doesn't really always match the, the play. <laughs> so, uh, not that it, it uh, isn't welcome. It would be stranger if there was no sound at all. That's still weird. The COVID stuff, you're, I don't want to say we're numb to it, but like it would have been crazy to think, uh, you know, in the past, uh, you know, if you go back more than a year ago, that an NHL game would be postponed or canceled or rescheduled. That like never happened. They play in all kinds of crazy weather and like, Never, ever do games get pushed back or postponed. And now it's like, okay, yep, well, we're not playing tomorrow. Okay. Oh, they're not playing tomorrow? Okay. All right, when, when are they going to schedule that one again? It, like, you're just sort of uh, used to it, I suppose. Um, and then you've you got to be careful. You know, the, the players and the coaches and those of us who cover the team, we're all separated as, as best as we can. And you um, keep your fingers crossed that everybody is doing their part to be safe. And you hope that uh, that if a team does get hit by the virus, um, that it doesn't spread and that it doesn't happen again and again. And, and I'm no doctor, of course, but you would think that some of this will sort of work its way through and then you can kind of get it behind us. Um, maybe that's optimistic. Maybe it's naive on my part. But I would hope, uh, I, I tend to believe that as we get closer to the end of the season, April and May and, and um, things improve that we won't have near as many of these stoppages these pauses and postponements dan duva's our guest voice of the vegas golden knights i know last week in the case of the devils and the sabers there was concerns about transmission of the virus during a game as on ice officials who worked that game also tested positive the protocol with players on the road the bubble was perfect for the postseason just like the nba bubble but you talk to players, you're friends with players also around the league. How are hockey players, when they're on the road, dealing with these protocols, being in a hotel, being in isolation, then getting to the rink and warming up? I mean, that existence has got to be tough for guys that like to go to restaurants and run up a big dinner tab if they have a night off. And are the players as vibrant as they once were, or are they just all focused on staying clean from COVID? Yeah, it's hard to tell because, like, they are separated from each other. I'm separated from them, too. Yeah. <laughs> Much less interaction for me with, with the players and coaches than I would normally have. And the good thing for the Golden Knights, at least so far, is there have only been three road games. We're nearly a month into the season, and it's, uh, it is. It's a, it's a month tomorrow. And it's uh, only three road games in contrast to the San Jose Sharks, who had not played a home game until just a couple days ago, Saturday. 
So for the Knights, they, they have spent most nights in their own bed. When they went to San Jose, they were there for a night, came right back after the game. Um, perhaps as the season goes along and they do have to be on the road for, say, four games in a row, they, they'll play in Minnesota and then in St. Louis, and they're truly going to be in their hotel rooms. We saw what happened early this season where a handful of Washington Capitals players were spotted you know, not taking the right precautions, violating protocol in someone's room together, and those players were suspended. The team was fined and, and so on. So, uh, like, that hasn't, you know, the Knights have only had three games outside of Las Vegas so far, outside the state of Nevada. Um, so I, I don't know that that has, it has hit the team as hard as it has some others. Uh, but if you look at other divisions, there's simply not as much time on the road. That's the virtue of playing within the division. You can go play a game and then come back. Um, you know, so many teams in the East, you know, they can, you know, it's just, you know, down the road from Madison Square Garden to the Prudential Center in Newark or down to mm-hmm. the Philadelphia. So I think that some teams, you know, if you're like the Dallas Stars, like you don't really have that luxury. Like you're far away from everybody. So I think it's hitting different teams at different times and in different ways. I think that we'll circle back after the season uh, and, and see which teams it, it hurt and which teams it wasn't too much of an issue. Dan Duva, voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, one of the best in the business. You know, I'm looking at the standings. The Lightning won the Cup, and they're on top of the Central. The East has the Bruins and the Flyers, man. Take me back to the 70s and 80s right there. And in the North, Dan, (laughs) it's the Maple Leafs and the Canadians. Maple Leafs and Canadians back-to-back, one and two there. When was the last time that happened? And you out West here with the Golden Knights on top of the Blues and then the Avalanche. I mean, Gary Bettman's got this thing clicking. The rivalries, the new rivalries with the Vegas team, but to see Toronto and Montreal, the Bruins and the Flyers, other than COVID and the protocols we spent a few minutes talking about, this has got to be a great year. The battle to win this cup is wide open. With so many elite teams, it feels like it's Stanley Cup or bust all around the league. Yeah, with the condensed schedule, you feel the importance of these divisional games. They're all divisional games. Like, you could never do this in a normal time. Like, you've got to have the Sidney Crosbys and Connor McDavid's go around the country, go around North America. So this couldn't be a permanent thing. But for now, since people can't go to the games anyway, you can watch on TV or listen on the radio, it's wild to see these rivalries uh, rekindle themselves, as you described, and yeah, you know, the, the folks who cover hockey, and let's be honest, in north of the border, there's more coverage of the National Hockey League. And so they're, they're thinking, oh, the, the, the North Division, that's the division. That's where all the, the focus is. Uh, Pierre Lebrun had an interesting column about that a few days ago. And it's like, well, sure, but, like, you realize that all the media that covers is in Canada. Obviously, they're based mm-hmm. in Toronto. They're based in Montreal, but in Las Vegas, in Denver, in St. Louis, you're looking at the West Division. If you're in New York, if you're in Philadelphia, in Boston, you're looking at that division, and same for Tampa, and on and on and on. So, like, you're, you're hypersensitive to your own division and just slightly less attentive to some of the other stories, I guess. And in a way, that's exciting. In a way, that's good um, because you've got every game matters. Every game is a divisional matchup. And you wonder as this plays out, and teams, instead of playing, say, twice a year, maybe four times a year, eight times. I mean, Vegas and Colorado are playing four games in a row against each other. It's incredible. And they're great teams. Dan Duva joins us. So to see teams play four games in a row against each other when they're elite 
and, and you know it's a Stanley Cup preview. One of these teams going to make it to the Cup. I think it makes all those games so much more important. Hey, Dan, last one, because I know you got a lot of friends in the business, and for those who are listening to us all over, especially on this continent, Bell Media Cut, 210 jobs, local TV, radio stations. A couple of my friends were affected by this. When it comes to hockey content, that was a bad sign to me, not here in the States, but our friends north of the border. What can you tell us about that? Oh, uh, it's just a gut punch. Um, oh. you think about people who have already uh, in, I mean, it's, it's you know, it, it's a tough business to get into. Uh, you have to make a lot of sacrifices for most of the people who work in this business. You don't get paid a ton. You do it because you love it. You love to be a storyteller. Um, that's how we get into this. We love sports, love telling stories about sports. And then you, you, you get through it, and then you've got a pandemic that shuts down your livelihood. And then you start to get back into it. Maybe the, the light is at the end of the tunnel. Maybe we'll get closer to normal. And since it's a, a broadcast-focused return to sports now, maybe that you know we're really serving the audience. And then, pow, it's just uh, you, you feel awful for those folks uh, who uh, have, have gone through this. Um, so many that uh, you like to believe will continue at their craft, um, but if there are fewer jobs, you know, like wh- where do people turn? And you, this, this sports have been around a long time. There's a lot of money in sports and sports coverage, sports media, and um, you just hope that somebody has that great idea to start something new. Like, you know, the radio to television to the Internet to satellite radio, and, you know, you've got – not only newspapers, but online publications and magazines. And somebody will come up with something, I hope, and get a lot of these people back to work. Thank you, Dan. I'll see you in Tahoe Thursday or after that. All the best. Always great talking to you. Thanks, JT. Same here. Dan Duva, the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. Really a pro. I mean, I have that's a radio that I have locked in in my vehicle when he's on the call. If I'm not watching on TV at home, And I'm in the car. I'm listening to Dan Duva on our sister station. Incredible job. Yeah, I'll be up there on Thursday heading to Lake Tahoe for the Winter Classic. I cannot wait. Just wish fans could go. It would have been much better with fans. Rick Harrell, the sports professor, and coming up next from the Review Journal, our buddy Mark Anderson, brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence. Quickly back ahead, White Cloud finding Petretti. He shoots, he scores! What was that about no goals in five games? Petretti puts the Knights on top one nothing. Just a minute and a half into the second period. Yeah, it held up, and how about that win? Marc-Andre Fleury, 30 saves, one nothing victory over the Avalanche. That is a big win. JT back with you. A lot of news in the NBA. Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond. Players are being now held out before they can work trades out. It must be amazing to be an NBA player and get days off or find out you're going to be traded so you don't have to play and get paid as they work out a deal. It's nuts to me. And the Pistons-Spurs game tomorrow has been postponed. Reportedly, there is a positive test within the Spurs organization and the big news waiting on the MRI for Anthony Davis. So all the news coming out on that, we'll have it all for you here. Mark Anderson, one of our good sports insiders right here from the Las Vegas Review Journal, joins us. And 
Mark, one of the many reasons I wanted to get you on the show is Sunday you had a cover story on all five tournaments coming to Vegas are still a go for college basketball. I was surprised by that. Tell me about that. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, they still want to play the tournaments because it's still big TV draws. Mm-hmm. And they, for that reason alone, they get a lot of money for, for, for having those tournaments, even if they have no fans. And now with the, the governor easing restrictions in the state, uh, the tournaments can are exploring ways they can invite fans. And they, there aren't any announcements expected today, but I wouldn't be a bit surprised at some point this week you start hearing these different conferences saying they're going to, start admitting fans to these, to these tournaments. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, I, I think the, the COVID numbers going in the right direction also help, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, I think, uh, if, if they're going in the opposite direction. Mark Anderson's our guest. Yeah, Mark, this is big. Cause when I read your story yesterday, it said pac 12 conference tournament, T-Mobile arena, March 10th and 13th. And that just instantly brought me back to the anniversary in my world of COVID in sports. When I was driving there to get my credential, it was canceled. I turned around to go home, and now that's jumping right out in front of me. That's the year anniversary. And, you know, I think if they're able to pull it off, it's very important for Vegas to have T-Mobile, the Orleans, uh, Mandalay Bay Event Center to get going again. It's going to provide jobs and an opportunity for us to show the world in Vegas that we're open for business, we're controlling our COVID numbers, and we want sports to be vibrant again. Did we lose Mark? Phone ghost. Yep, gets us all the time. Oh, he's there? We, I don't hear him. Bobby, is he there? Mark, you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? I got you. We lost you for a second. Go ahead. So, uh, yeah, so, the, so I that. think it's important for the for the dates on that. Go ahead. Yeah, I think someone was uh, beeping in on me. That's probably yeah. why you lost me. Uh, no problem. Yeah, I yeah I the last the last sporting event I covered before the shutdown was the Pac-12 tournament, and I covered one day of it. Uh, so that would be a huge step for the city, as you mentioned, for all those reasons to to bring these tournaments back and naturally have fans there. And you know, it maybe is the if these tournaments shutting down were sort of the first signal of Las Vegas shutting down, maybe they're the first signal of Las Vegas coming back. Bam! You just nailed that. I, I really we're on the same page. When I when I saw these dates and the deep dive you did on this, and talking about teams like Gonzaga and what the Pac-12 means, and especially what we could see with the Western Athletic Conference men and women, it is very important. I think it's a signal, just like I say, Mark, with the NHL and especially NASCAR. You know, I'm talking to Jeff Motley uh, over at the track, trying to figure out what's going to happen there with fans and limited fans, Vegas has got to lead the way. We have a proactive owner in Bill Foley. Mark Davis wants to fill up that stadium when it's safe again, and I think Vegas has got to be a leader. Mark Anderson, kind enough to join us. Mark, I I wanted to get your update on UNLV basketball with Coach O and uh, UNLV football with Marcus Arroyo because we just saw Justin Herbert being named the Rookie of the Year, the Offensive Player of the Year with the Chargers. So he had great coaching at Oregon with Coach Arroyo. He had a great recruiting class, so I'm hearing. And Coach O, his recruiting class took a tragic turn with what happened to Zayon Collins and that felony DUI as he goes to court this week. Both these programs got some chatter going on in the background. Yeah, not good chatter. Uh, yeah. You know, I I think the last time you talked, I was much higher on the basketball program uh, 
at the time than I am now. I, I thought that Otzelberger generally has it going, had it going in the right direction. They've, that it's, they've taken a noticeable step back, and I don't know what the reason is for that. And obviously losing Zayn Collins in this next recruiting class is a, is a killer. I think going into his third year, he's probably going to hit the transfer portal pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And really, and because he knows he needs to, he needs to, he needs to be a real NCAA contender in his third year. Not you can't you can't be finishing middle of the Mountain West. It just it's just it's not why he was brought in here, frankly. Uh, um, so, and I, I saw he's getting some chatter for the Iowa State job, which I don't know it's just I understand why he's got deep ties there, but mm-hmm. it just seems like it just seemed kind of odd the timing on that. Um, but yeah, he he needs to he needs to get things going in the right direction because they're not heading there now. Uh, as far as Arroyo, um, yeah, he's got two outstanding recruiting classes. But you know, the question is, can he get it done on the field? That's those are two different questions. And and it's one thing to bring in the town, which you obviously have to have, but then you got to coach him up. And you know, I there, I saw some things this past season that had me concerned, but. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt just because it was such an unusual year and he didn't have the off season that he expected to have. So let's see what he mm-hmm. does with the full season and, and maybe he can maybe he can get some things done next season and get the program in the right direction. But uh, yeah, he's got to get I, I that quarterback he has situation. To. Yeah, he has to. He yeah, has they got to get. A... Yeah, it doesn't mean he goes and wins the Mountain West, but they got to. He's got to show that it's really on the right path and he's got to be tangible results. Mark Anderson, as we wrap it up, so I'll be up in Tahoe into the week for the Golden Knights. Incredible to see Flurry playing at this level as Robin Leonard's been sitting here a bit and they can count on Flurry to step up and pitch a shutout. What a week he's having. He's getting acknowledgement from the NHL and fans all over the continent. This is a big deal. When you look at what they have at the goaltender position with all these games against similar teams, four nights in a, in a week with Colorado, I think this could be the difference between the Golden Knights and the Avalanche and the Sharks and the other good teams out west that they're going to run into once the playoffs come around. Yeah, I think having two goalies is is incredibly important this season with a condensed schedule, uh, and you're seeing it play out. And, and you know, could you imagine if they had treated Mark Andre Fleury like they looked to do after last mm-hmm. season? Uh, where they would be right now with Winter being hurt, they would. I mean, they'd still be good, but they would be in a much more precarious situation. And you know, now they could throw Flurry out there and feel really good about their chances of winning. And and like he did last night, where he basically stood on his head and and won that game for him. So uh, it, it's a great situation to have. And and uh, you know, I, I think once Winter comes back, I think you go back to what to just rotating them because it worked and you keep them both fresh and yeah. that way they both go in the playoffs fresh. Yeah, I'm all for playing Flurry. I've changed on this. Leonard Leonard got the contract. Leonard's supposed to be the number one. If he can't outplay Flurry, I go with Flurry. This is a Stanley Cup yeah. year. This is a window for them to win the cup. Uh, if if Flurry plays more and he proves that he's more clutch and he could beat teams like Colorado and stand on his head, I'm all back on that bandwagon. I never jumped off it. Mark, great to talk to you again. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Have a good week. You do the same, JT. Thank you. You got it, Mark Anderson, the Las Vegas Review Journal. I get the paper delivered to the house right here, and I was excited to see league tourney in Vegas still a go. All five moving forward to plans to play by Mark Anderson from the Review Journal. It is very important now that we're all going to get through a year of COVID. And I know if you lost loved ones, if you were sick, we take it very seriously on this show. 
We've never predicted numbers. We've never questioned the governor. We don't do that. We don't play politics here. I know what my role is and my job. But if the numbers are getting better and we're moving and the rest of the country is moving on to getting kids back in school and restaurants are opening up more and casinos are going to open, Vegas has got to become a leader with all the ingenuity in this marketplace, with what we do with transportation, what we do with air filtration, what we do with safety at the airport, which is a massive part of this. People feeling safe to come to our airport and come here to visit. You're not going to get them in the casinos. You're not going to get them in the restaurants and bars unless they fly here or drive here, and you got to make people feel comfortable. And all of that, it's go time now. Not that we're going back to 100% capacity, not that we're filling up these stadiums and arenas, but we have to have a plan in place to get going and not trail the rest of the country. There's too many big conventions, too many massive sporting events that you might, you might not have it on your radar, but it's coming. College basketball is coming to their conference tournaments. The reasons why these conferences pick Las Vegas is because we can house people. We can put people here. We can get people to have fun and be entertained. And we got to get going. We're talking about March 4th through the 7th, the Pac-12 Conference Women's Tournament at Mandalay Bay. March 4th to the 9th, the West Coast Conference at the Orleans. These are big events. I want to hear that they're going to be here, even if there are no fans or limited fans, because we got to show people, we have to show people that we can do it here in Vegas. I really believe in that. 702-365-9200. We might get shut out today. I have too many good interviews. We want to hear from you. We're not a podcast. We're live today. Some shows are not live today, which is fine. I don't make the schedule. I'm here live to talk J.J. Watt and the Raiders. So far, we're getting shut out from Raider fans wanting J.J. Watt, which is shocking to me. 702-365-9200 if you have an opinion on that. Also, Rick Haro, the sports professor, will join us coming up here from a business perspective, the Harvard Law professor on what's happening in sports. He's got something to tell us about Vegas and the NBA, so stick around for that. From my home studio which I'm getting used to, which I don't want to get used to. And I think Bobby's getting used to me being in my home studio. But, hey, that's where we're at. Hope everybody had a good weekend. I hope you had a great Valentine's Day. And spend it with someone special. Hope it's great for you. When we come back, the sports professor, Rick Harrow, and more on my presentation and what it should look like for J.J. Watt to come to the Raiders. Super Bowl on Tampa Bay winning. JT back with you. There is breaking news. A sad story. There is an investigation in Florida on the death of former Charger and Buccaneer wide receiver Vincent Jackson. Investigators said the 38-year-old was found dead this morning at the Homewood Suites Hotels in Brandon with no apparent signs of trauma. The medical examiner's office will determine the cause of death breaking news the hillsborough sheriff's office is investigating the death of former buccaneer wide receiver and charger wide receiver vincent jackson at a tampa area hotel a devastating story 
It is trending right now. It just came out minutes ago. Josh Benson reporting the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office investigating the death. Jackson, 38, was found deceased today at his hotel room in Braden, Florida. So prayers go out to his family here. I just brought up his Wikipedia and a couple of things about him. Three-time Pro Bowler. God, he could play. When he was with the Chargers, he's a two-time Pro Bowler with the Chargers. He had over 540 receptions, 9,080 receiving yards, and 57 touchdowns in his career. Vincent Jackson, that is breaking news. All right, let's move on to the sports professor. Rick Haro, kind enough to join us, coming off Pebble Beach, coming off the Super Bowl, and coming off the Daytona 500. And, Rick, it was a long night for me last night on Sirius XM, waiting for that long delay. And then the wreck at the end at Daytona. What would you think of the race? Well, you know, I, I know the radar, and I know Florida February, and it's not the afternoon thunderstorms that kind of clear up in 20 minutes. This was not that. And I, I you know, you go back and forth about programming decisions. And, and uh, you know, today is President's Day, and, you know, one of the issues that you normally have about postponing till the next day is the consideration of the fans. Well, this was a holiday for a lot of people today. And, and the other issue might have been the fans is not that big an issue or it's not as much of an issue as it is when it's 100% capacity. So I, I, I know that, you know, Fox wanted to get it in last night. But, um, I'm, uh, uh, you know, I, I kind of woke up at midnight here and, oh, boy, you know, really? It's just, it's just over? So you will get the ratings, and they won't be good, and and you know we'll get the the death of NASCAR, and we'll get all of that stuff. But you know we start the season, and they did get through it. So I guess mm-hmm. uh, we're we're positive about that. We can be thankful about that. Rick Harrell, the sports professor, joins us. It's a very good point about the holiday, and I thought it was a nightmare. There was a part during the broadcast where they just ran out of content. They interviewed everybody. They knew they were going to be in a five, six-hour rain delay. They just started to show the making of Days of Thunder, the movie with Tom Cruise. They were showing the dual races. They ran. It wasn't like the Super Bowl. It's the Super Bowl of NASCAR. You know how positive I am with NASCAR. And basically, Fox, Big Fox, got to the point halfway, two, three hours into the rain delay, they just put up a white flag and said, we got nothing, we're moving on, and we're just going to show reruns. That's not what you want to do, Rick for your Super Bowl of your sport when you said you got a holiday the next day. I thought it was a terrible decision. Yeah, and, and again, I'm, 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 I, I would love to you know, second-guess everything, but again, part of this issue is uh, what did they have today? What were the logistics today? Uh, you know, unless you have 100% of the facts, you don't want to completely second-guess. But, yeah. but boy, I, I did not watch the whole race because no human being could possibly watch the whole race. <laughs> You're different because you know you got you got issues. You got to follow it. You got to you got to be uh, 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 you, you got to report all the details. But you know, throwing up the white flag is exactly right. And 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 now we get into Phoenix. I do segments in Phoenix on a regular basis, and I talked to today with those really you know good friends of mine who started by saying there's not a lot of buzz here. Well, that's not a way. To, that's not a way to start things either. And we can blame a lot of this on the pandemic, but you can't blame everything on the pandemic. Rick Harrell, the sports professor, joins us. Harrell Ventures, a longtime friend, longtime guest on this show, and he was the first guest. He remains the first guest that we put on at the beginning of the pandemic 
to put him on every week to two weeks to talk about the updates and all of this. And now there is some big news about the NBA All-Star game. I don't think they should go forward with it, but this is television, and they want to go through with it, and they want to keep the players safe and healthy, bringing them to Atlanta to play in this game. So what do the players think, the union? Is this a smart move, and why is it such an important made-for-TV event? Well, the important piece of the made-for-TV is the whole Turner family of networks being you know, two blocks down the street from the arena. Mm-hmm. They're a staple partner, and as long as they are, this is going to be one of those things that you, you do and you continue to promote. Now, the whole idea of fans, that's not as big an issue. So you, know, you wish you'd have had an opportunity here to say, oh, let's postpone till the fans are back. Let's give one to Atlanta. The Atlanta one will be remembered because of the lack of fans as well. But then the other issue of protocol, flying them in, flying them out, keeping them safe, and these are just not your eighth and ninth man on your roster. These are your superstars. So, again, let's just hope that this is because of the careful nature of how the protocols are. Let's just hope that uh, it, this is not uh, going to be something that we all regret because of the position it puts the superstars in coming out of the game. Rick Harrell, the sports professor, is our guest as we wrap it up. So tell me about Seattle and Las Vegas in an attempt – to hike up the NBA values and expansion here. I, I don't love the NBA in Vegas, but I think it'll work because we're a tourist economy, so there'll be planes flying in every night. If there's any ticket to an NBA game, someone's going to buy it because it's like buying a ticket to a concert or a show. I don't know if it's going to be huge in our community with the Raiders and the Vegas Golden Knights. In Seattle, I think it's a home run. They're getting hockey with the Seattle Kraken, and they've always wanted to get the Sonics back. And a lot of these owners around the league, I'm sure, want those fees, those expansion fees or relocation fees. Tell me about that. Well, let's remember two things. One is the fees divided by the number of teams, and then whatever you cut a deal on your expansion first couple of years without 100% of the TV revenue that everybody else gets. So that's just another example of generating the fees. So that's important. The second piece is if you set a price, hypothetically, at $2.5 billion for an NBA franchise, uh, it may not be that. It may that may be too high. But hey, look, when I was doing my thing with Ted Harrison in the NBA, we had a meeting with David Stern, and Ted asked David Stern, "I know I was in there. What's the price? Thirty-two and a half million. That was in the late '80s. He left. He said that's outrageous. He came back and he said, "Well, you know, that's the only price I can pay because that's a, you, you guys are the only store that's selling NBA franchises." And then they put the deal together, and it was done. At that point, that was an outrageous number. Well, what it did is it increased the value of every other franchise around the league, as would if uh, Adam Silver can pull off Vegas and pull off Seattle. Incredible. You're right about that. The only way to really guarantee with the economy and a pandemic and what's happening in the world, and we don't know what's going to happen with all the markets, we're assuming they all go up. Look at the stock market. Look at the real estate market. But one of the guarantees for franchises to go up in sports is when you allow new owners to come in and pay these exorbitant prices to get into the club. And, Rick, you might know the answer to this. I've never met an owner that bought a sports team and sold it for a loss or a big loss. If you can hold on to it and you can weather some of the tough times, usually if you hold it in your portfolio for 5, 10, 20, 40 years, you're going to sell it for billions of a profit or hundreds of millions. It's a hell of an investment, huh? Yes. And there are a couple of hockey owners way back when 
and it wasn't really consequential. Uh, they sold it for a little less than they bought it for. Uh, but the bottom line is you're absolutely right. The cash flow may not be as much, but if you keep it in your portfolio, you're going to make a lot of money because there is somebody that wants a franchise, and there are a lot less franchises than people that want it. Thank you, Professor. We'll talk to you in a few weeks. Appreciate your time. All right, man. Bye. Rick Harrell, the sports professor. A lot of good information on the business side of the economy of sports. And when it comes to selling a franchise, why, why don't these guys and gals send the, sell their franchises? Why don't they sell them? After you made $200 million, $400 million, $800 million, a billion, why don't you sell it and take the profits? And they don't sell it because of the tax ramifications. They don't want to pay the taxes on that. So what they need is lost leaders in their other businesses. So a lot of the people that own NBA franchises, NFL franchises, they have other businesses. You know, we talked about it when it came to you know, Jerry Jones in the oil business and how he had to move all the money around to go buy the Cowboys. Now his money is not in the oil business. It's the Dallas Cowboys. You're able to pull this off if you have good accountants, good lawyers, but the prices continue to go up. All right, more to get to on the other side, 702-365-9200. JT brought to you by Grimaldi's. We had Grimaldi's on Saturday. Ordered a couple of extra pies because my son likes to bring Grimaldi's to school for lunch. He's the king when he shows up at school and starts throwing around some cold slices for his buddies. They warm it up there, and they love it. Grimaldi's, best pizza I ever had. We'll wrap it up next. It felt great going to the game, but as, as you play, um, cause I'm always using that Achilles tendon. It's just um, got sore towards the end. I'm just constantly moving on it. You know, it felt great coming to the game. felt great throughout the game, but late, late game, it kind of would bother me a little bit. JT back with you as we wrap it up. Thanks for being here today on President's Day, and that's a good thing because I've never cared who my president is. No knock on the president's. I never cared about the president's holiday. I think it should be moved to after the Super Bowl. And I think instead of having today off, which I love working on this day after the Daytona 500, recently after the Super Bowl, I don't know why we have this holiday. I would move it to the summer. I would move it to a point where we could have two days off in a row. I don't get it. So I'm here, and Bobby laughed today because he said, are we working today? I said, why wouldn't we work today? It's the holiday. Yeah, we're working. We planned on being here today. We had interviews locked up. We want to talk J.J. Watt. If you go to J.J. Watt in Twitter, it says J.J. Watt to the Bills, which is trending, which means the Bills Bills fans are great at this. No disrespect to the Raider Nation. Bills fans write checks to other players' charities when something happens, which not many teams do that. And the Bills fans completely get this. Bills fans are going to do whatever they can to try to make a difference and bring him to Buffalo. Could he end up going to Buffalo? I would doubt it. I would think Las Vegas would have a better chance than Buffalo. But the fans in Buffalo seem to be a little bit more aggressive than the Raider fans to try to get him there. They're going to be very uh, aggressive in Nashville with the Titans. B.R. Gridiron says the four teams, 
now go to five. A dozen teams are interested in J.J. Watt, but the lead teams are the Steelers, the Browns, the Bills, the Titans, and the Packers. Ed Werder, ESPN, why aren't the Raiders on that list? Why wouldn't the Raiders be on that list? They should be on that list. And we should pretend that the Raiders are on that list if we're going to have a bleeping flagship station and we're going to act like we care about any of this. Because J.J. Watt would be perfect for the Las Vegas Raiders. He brings character. He brings leadership, the ability to make plays, and he can rub off on some of the players in that locker room on the defensive side. Now, Gus Bradley is going to find the best players, line them up in the best position to try to win, and I think he'll be able to do that. As I get to know and we get to know the Raiders' defensive staff, especially their new coaches in the secondary, I think we're all going to be really impressed. John Gruden was very impressed, and he told me that. And they're going to go in this different direction as they get away from Paul Gunther, and now they go to Gus Bradley and his staff. But they're going to need players. And J.J. Watt's got juice left. And if the Raiders don't get them and they're not interested because they want to go younger and they have a plan, which I'm sure is much better than my pretend plan, we'll get behind that too. But I'm a J.J. Watt guy, and I think that this town should be a front runner for every great hockey player, every great high school basketball player. I mean, high school basketball players who are great around the country have zero interest in UNLV basketball. None. They did in the 80s and 90s. They did. And we got to get that to that point again. Where high school football players and basketball players want to attend UNLV and free agent football players and hockey players want to play for the Raiders and Golden Knights. And if I could play a tiny, tiny part in bringing that energy to the radio, I know I've done my job. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. You can find everything at lvsportsnetwork.com, and you can catch me every night, 7 p.m. on Sirius XM 82. We're getting ready for the Winter Classic as the Golden Knights head to Tahoe. I'll be up there on Thursday. Short week this week. Let's make the best of it on Raider Nation Radio. Have a good night, everybody. All right? Take care.